Hey, let's pray together. God, we thank you for the power of worship. More so, we thank you for your spirit who is here in your presence. I pray that uh, we'd feel your presence. Uh, I pray people would feel your power, both in this gathering uh, and in the scattering of later today as we go uh, with, uh, with loved ones. And I pray that we would, uh, as your word says in Matthew 28, uh, as we're about to read, behold, that we would behold uh, your presence and your power uh, in our lives, that we'd behold the resurrection, the truth of the resurrection, that we would know it to be true. We'd behold that uh, your resurrection means that uh, uh, all the sad things in life will come untrue one day. And I pray that we would know that, that all people would know that. Uh, Not because of uh, anything that we do, but because of you, Jesus. And that the tomb is empty. That means the grave is empty. uh, And one day our tombs will be empty too. We believe in you. I believe that. I pray others believe that. Through your spirit. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you all. You're going to have a seat. Thank you again to our worship team for uh, leading us in powerful worship. I'd like to... uh, bring a, a word to you uh, that, that will be fairly brief as it's Easter, and we want to get to the baptisms uh, because that is important, but it is Easter, and we do want to highlight the resurrection. So if you have your Bible, I would ask you to turn to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Uh, I am going to read verses 1 through 10, and then I'm going to skip ahead and read verses 16 through 20. And before I read that, and maybe as you're turning to that, uh, I, would, I would say this, you know, one of the biggest challenges, I think, of being a Christian, uh, for me and for others here, is that I, I hear and see, uh, and even see it in my own life, so let me say that, uh, people uh, who say uh, they believe in the resurrection, and when I say I see it in my own life, that's me too, but I don't always see uh, a resurrection life. And that belief in the resurrection doesn't always translate uh, into life. I think that, that we have an easy excuse and that we're sinners in that. Uh, but sometimes I think that we just don't know all that the resurrection means for us. And so, uh, simply, uh, I want to try to share that for myself and for us. Matthew 28 Matthew 28, verse 1. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. There was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards were so shaken by fear of him that they became like dead men. The angel told the women, Don't be afraid, because I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, just as he said. 
Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. So departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, they ran to tell his disciples the news. Just then Jesus met them and said, Greetings. They came up, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus told them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. As they were on their way, some of the guards came into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. After the priests had assembled with the elders and agreed on a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money and told them, Say this, his disciples came during the night and stole him while we were sleeping. If this reaches the governor's ears, we will deal with them and keep you out of trouble. They took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story is spread among Jewish people to this day. The 11 disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Matthew 28, uh, Easter, uh, resurrection. I want to talk about resurrection life, what that might look like uh, for you, for me, for us. A resurrected life, a resurrection life. I think it boils down to two questions I'd like you to at least consider or think about now or maybe later today. First, where is Jesus now? Where is Jesus now? And the second question, what does the resurrection mean? Okay, so answers that I grew up knowing that are true and you grew up knowing, well, Jesus is, is, can be with me and he's in heaven What does the resurrection mean? It means life after death. Yes, good. But I want to go uh, a little further for us for the sake of trying to take a step for you and for me to a resurrection life. I've been reading the end of Matthew over the last couple weeks. And what has been very convicting to me is that Matthew will describe what's going on in Jesus' life. Uh, the Last Supper, crucifixion, the trial. But then he'll give sayings of Jesus. And, and really what the sayings of Jesus are doing in the middle of that is describing to us what it means. Okay, And we've gone through this over the last couple of weeks. So, so here in his final chapter, and I didn't just decide to read the whole chapter. I just got on a roll there. Yeah, you were following me. I'm good. Glad of that is we often separate these two parts of the empty tomb and what's known as the Great Commission. So the first part of the chapter is like, okay, they come to the empty tomb, it's empty. And then you can kind of skip ahead to what some of us know as the Great Commission, the mission, the sending. But they're really, they're in one chapter. 
That was intentional. And so what we think of as the Great Commission is really Jesus describing a resurrection life. Describing what the resurrection means. And it's telling us where Jesus is. So again, the two questions, where is Jesus now? And what does the resurrection mean? I want to give you uh, four points or thoughts that explicitly tie to the last couple verses of this chapter. So I'm going to be focused, actually, not on the empty tomb part of the passage, but what the empty tomb means. And so, verse 18 through 20. I'm going to read it again. Jesus came near and said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Four places where Jesus is now, these couple verses tell us. One, he's at the right hand of God. As we said that in the Creed, if you remember that, the Apostles' Creed. Two, two, that's just getting louder and louder. It's okay, it's okay. It's Easter. I really just thought it was, it's not mine. Okay, good. I'm just going to keep that there. It's okay. Any, okay. You pray for the Lord. Hey, give us something to loosen things up. There we go, okay? One, he's at the right hand of God. Second, he's in the ministry of the gospel. Third, he's in the community of people, like here now. Fourth, he's at the end of history. He says all that in in those two or three verses there. Okay, So that's where he is. What does it mean? Let's start off. He's at the right hand of God. Jesus Christ at the right hand of God. You're like, what do you mean the right hand of God? Well, again, if if you caught it, we say that in the Apostles' Creed, which is really the oldest statement of our faith, of our Christian faith. Okay? And uh, over and over again, it was actually said in Paul's writings that Jesus ascended to the right hand of God. Uh, I believe we've got a couple verses. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. No, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. Look at this. He exercised this power in Christ by... What's today about raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, and every title given not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Keep that up there for just a minute. If you you know, if if you if you know anything else, if you remember anything else, I'd love for you to actually just remember that verse. Raised from the dead, seated above all else, okay? It's talking about what the resurrection means. Uh, It's hard for us to imagine we're Americans, we have a democracy, I know we have a president. But in in kingdoms and in kings, and in this day and age, when the Bible was written, there were kings. uh, And some of you may know this from, I don't know, uh, books or other uh, movies or film. But the, the right hand of the king was the executor of the king's power. At the right hand of the king was the person who executed the will of the king over his dominion. 
So the idea that he's seated at the right hand of God the Father is that Jesus, in his actions on the cross, in the empty tomb, uh, enacts the will of the Father. Okay, And what this verse, Ephesians 1, and then another passage, Acts 7, if we can put that up there, could give you in what the resurrection means, one, is a serene confidence. I love those two words. That God, hear me on this, God is in charge. God is ruling. This, uh, these two verses, Acts 7, apply to Stephen in Acts. Stephen here was being stoned. Not a good way to go if you're like alive and then rock after rock hitting your body and your head until you slowly die. And yet Stephen, right here, he looks up, verse 55, Acts 7, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven. He saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He said, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And if you know this story, uh, Stephen died with a serenity, a calmness, but also a passion, really a fierceness, that God was in charge. Almost like you can do nothing to me. You think you're doing everything to me by killing me, but you're doing nothing. Uh, there is a confidence in that. There is a serenity in that. What the resurrection means, and, and I, I would... I would I would argue to say, I'd gauge to say that a lot of us don't really know this, is that you can have this serenity with this confidence that God is, God is in charge. He's in control. Jesus is Lord of all. Yes, individualistically it means life after death, but corporately it means he has a plan. He has a plan for you individually, and he's a plan for this, this world. There's a, there's a famous quote you know, I was, I was blessed to be born on uh, William Faulkner Way. Anybody know where William Faulkner Way is? Raise your hand. William Faulkner Way. Not mom and dad, they're here. William Faulkner Way. Anybody know where? Nobody? It's between New Albany and Oxford. So God's country, okay? William Faulkner Way is Highway 30 West. William Faulkner Way, okay? William Faulkner wrote a lot of good books. He has this saying that he actually stole from Shakespeare, okay? English major that I am. And he said, life is just a tale told by an idiot of sound and fury. I probably didn't get that right. But life is a tale of sound and fury told by an idiot. In the book, Sound of Fury, that some of you seniors are trying to probably skirt through. And uh, it's like a foreign language, I know. But the point is that some people really believe, there are probably some people here who believe, that life is just kind of a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury. The resurrection means that that is certainly not the case. Instead, that there's a plan and there's a savior and he's seated at the right hand of God and he's executing the will of the king of the universe in your life and our life. That's one thing it means. Where else is Jesus? Jesus is in the ministry of the gospel. It says, all authority has been given me in heaven and earth. That means at the right hand of God. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. Where is Jesus right now? Jesus is in the ministry of the gospel, uh, in the teaching of people, me, you. 
in the baptizing of people, which we'll see and witness today, he's in the ministry of his word, of his gospel. He's there. What do I mean by that? One last verse. This is Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, 17. This is long after Jesus, uh, well, maybe not long, 10 years, after Jesus died, rose again, and Paul writes this. He, meaning Jesus, came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. This is at a church, church in Ephesus. After the resurrection, after the ascension, and Paul says, Jesus came and proclaimed the good news to you. Did Jesus come bodily? No, he will come again. Did Jesus come? Yes. Where is Jesus now? Jesus is in the ministry of the gospel. Let me tell you a story about this. Uh, we're part of a, a network of churches around the world called Acts 29. To be part of this network, I had to be assessed. I had to be assessed. Actually, my, my wife had to be assessed as well. So we go through this assessment, and it's like interviews. And they'll ask you question after question. They really grill you uh, for a couple days and us together. And one of the questions was, well, why do you want to be a pastor or a preacher? Why do you want to be a pastor or preacher? And, you know, I mean, you guys, well, some of you, some of you are in interviews before. Maybe you get a little nervous. You know, you're trying to say the right thing, you know, and you kind of go to what you're supposed to say and uh, so I'm like, well, I want to preach the gospel to, you know, those who don't hear it or, or something like that, which sounds good, which is true. But And so the guy who was asking me the questions, though, said this. He's like, I want you to remember this, and I'll never forget it, and I'd love for you to remember it, too. He's like, you know what? I've been preaching in churches for over 20 years, and there are people that come into these churches, and they don't hear the gospel. And he said, and it's not like I'm not trying. Did you hear that? He said, I say, I want to preach the gospel to people that uh, don't know it, don't hear it. And he says, let me tell you something. I go into churches, I've been preaching at church for over 20 years. And there are people that come to those churches, they don't hear the gospel. And it ain't because I ain't trying. What he's saying, though, is is something that, that really spoke to me. In the ministry of the gospel, it's not about, hear this, it's not about any human person. It's not about me or any other preacher or pastor who be up here. It's, it's about Jesus. And so what he's saying is sometimes people will come in and their hearts will be so open and ready. Maybe there's a willingness or maybe because of things that have happened in life that the Holy Spirit just opens it to hear the gospel. And there are other people who are, who are there and they would say, I mean, you probably heard the expression, I ain't getting I ain't get anything. And maybe their hearts are closed for some reason. Maybe it's even closed to the gospel. But I love what that preacher said. It's like there are people who come every week and don't hear the gospel. And it's not because I'm not trying. Where is Jesus? Jesus is in the ministry of the gospel. Jesus is in the ministry of the gospel. What does the resurrection mean? The resurrection means. It means that there's the potential for real, deep, spiritual intimacy with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's why, going back to preachers, I could say, 
man, I, I listened to this one preacher, and man, it, he just ministered to me in, in so many ways. And then I could talk to my best friend or a spiritual compadre or brother. It's like, man, I didn't, I didn't get anything out of that. Or you could say to someone, man, that's the best sermon I've ever heard. And the other person said, well, he wasn't really on today. Okay. The point is there's something deeper going on when the gospel is being ministered to. A lot deeper than any, any human being is the Holy Spirit. And, and sometimes through different people in different ways, uh, the Lord will use different people in different abilities of communication to really penetrate into the heart and life of a person. And yet for this person over here, they'll use something different or another means or another person even to communicate. And it really kind of all comes down to Jesus. Why is this important for uh, you if you're a Christian? Let me say this. When uh, it's important because I try to preach uh, quiet time or devotion time or whatever you want to call it, or time in God's Word. And this is for me and for you, okay? Uh, we shouldn't just like do five or ten minutes and just kind of skim. Now, five or ten minutes is better than nothing, but you know, sometimes you're just getting five or ten minutes because Jesus can speak to you. Where is Jesus now? Jesus is in the ministry of the gospel, and that can happen as individuals, and he can speak to you. Why does it matter if you're not a Christian? Then I would say, because I believe in this word so much, and I believe in the Holy Spirit so much, and the power of Jesus in the ministry of the gospel, then give your questions to God, ask him truthfully, reveal yourself to me in this word, and I do believe that he will. But over and above, just like trying to skim through or five minutes here, or just picking out a verse like... You know, consider it, the gospel. Where is Jesus now? He's in the ministry of the gospel. What does the resurrection mean? It means the potential for a deep spiritual intimacy with King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Where is Jesus now? He is in the community of the people. The last verse, Jesus says, Remember, I am with you always. Uh, The King James Version actually does this a little bit more justice. Uh, and I, I don't think I've ever really said that, that the King James Version does uh, the Bible justice. Because if you've read the King James Version, it's pretty, it's pretty high English there, okay? But it says, behold, or lo, I am with you always. Meaning the same thing, behold, lo. Like behold this, I am with you always. And also the you there, so like we're Americans, and I love America, but we're, we're kind of individuals first. Okay, get that. Or even Westerners, we're individuals first. But the English doesn't do it justice here. That word you is really something only us Southerners can say. What would that be? That would be y'all. Really means y'all. Okay? He said, I am with y'all always. He's not saying there, like literally, as it was written, he's not saying individually you. Now, we'll claim that or name it and claim it, Jesus with me, and that's true. But what he's saying here is I'm with y'all. Where is he? He's been a community of people. 80% of Christians today say they can have a growing relationship with Christ without a church. 80% of Christians today, which would mean only 20% of Christians are really connected to churches Jesus would say, 
not just here, but in his word. He said, you can't really know me on your own. And I believe that. You can't really know me on your own. You have to be part of a community of people. It can be small, it doesn't have to be large, it can be, but a community of people that are growing together, walking together. Where is Jesus now? He's in the community of people as his church. What does the resurrection mean? That means you can have very deep and different relationships with people, deeper than, than you can imagine, different than you can imagine, but it's what you need, it's what we need. Let me give you one example of this. Uh, those of you who really know me uh, know that I love, love C.S. Lewis, uh, Tolkien, J.R. Tolkien. And C.S. Lewis wrote about this in this book called The Four Loves. And he was talking about the love of friendship, true friendship. And so C.S. Lewis, and some of you may know this, C.S. Lewis and Tolkien and another guy, Charles Williams, you may not know him as much, uh, and some others, but they would meet regularly in a pub uh, in Oxford, the other Oxford, England, okay? And they would like meet weekly and they would do their thing and a lot of their ideas that came out in books would came there. And I, I was blessed to, uh, yes, I was blessed to go to this pub uh, recently. It was, uh, it was pretty cool. But here's the point. Charles Williams died suddenly, part of this group. And they grieved the death of this loved one. But in, the, in this book, The Four Loves, Lewis wrote, you know, I was so sad about him dying, but in a way, I was, get this, glad because I wouldn't have to share Ronald anymore. Ronald was his name for Tolkien, okay? He said, I wouldn't have to share Ronald anymore. I could have more of him. I'm sad because I'm losing a friend, but I have more of him. He actually wrote this. But then what he realized was when Charles died there was a part, he said, of Ronald that died too. And he said, there was a part of Ronald I would never see anymore, actually again at all, because only Charles would bring out that part of Ronald. And now that Charles is dead, that part of Ronald that I loved has gone too. Here's my point in this. Jesus, you in the community of people, you see some things in Jesus that only other people can bring out. As in like other people will see things in Jesus that you don't and you'll grow in your knowledge of him through them. I've been really blessed by that here in this place. I mean I could name I mean a minimum 30 or so folks who've seen Jesus in, in one way that maybe I didn't and that blessed my life in Christ. Uh, people on our, our church staff uh, Hunter, I just see you because you're sitting right there. Sorry not to pick on you. But Hunter, our elders, uh, these brothers, uh, from, from Chris, from Ted, from uh, Dobby, from Doc, uh, in marriage too, I'll say that, my wife. But, but many of you see, I don't call any other names, but like my life is grown, is really, my Christian life has flourished in the community of people. Where is Jesus now? He's in the community of people. What do I want for you? I want you to, have deep and intimate relationships with people that help you grow in Christ. What does the resurrection mean? You can have those relationships. And I'm not saying you've got to be part of this church. I just love for you to be part of a church. I really mean that. The last thing, the last thing. Where is Jesus now? And really, I think this is the best thing. 
He's at the end of the age. He's at the end of history. He says, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Where is Jesus now? He's at the right hand of God. He's in the ministry of the gospel. He's the community of the people. He's at the end of history. You have a story. I love to highlight that. We love to highlight that. Everybody's got a story. Do you know history has a story? Do you know history one day will come to an end? It will. It will. This is one long story. What happens at the end of history? Jesus is there. To the end of the age. That literally means history. What happens at the end? Jesus is there. What happens at the end of history? It's a happy ending. How do I know that? Because I know Jesus. I know what he stands for. I know who he is. And he's going to be there. So it's going to be, it's going to be happy. Uh, picking up on the, the Tolkien thing, uh, you know, again, whom I like. There is a, he wrote fairy tales. C.S. Lewis wrote fairy tales. Do you know up to the 20th century, the fairy tale was considered an art form? And then after the two world wars, it was like, no, this, real life is just sad. <laughs> real life is just bleak. I mean, real life really just kind of tanks. You know, give you an example of this. My nephew Mason's going to love this. Steven Spielberg got, got killed for this. If you, and we love movies in, in my family. And because uh, Steven Spielberg never won any awards because all of his movies were too happy and had a happy ending until he started making like serious movies and they had sad endings. Then they like give him an Oscar. Serious, going back. He would get killed for that. Uh, there's an old saying for this. Here's, here's two big words for you that uh, you may not know. Big words on Easter. Uh, you know the word catastrophe? Well, Eudocatastrophe and dystocatastrophe, okay? Let me say that again. Eudocatastrophe, dystocatastrophe. Eudocatastrophe is a catastrophe that ends in a happy ending. Dystocatastrophe is a catastrophe that ends in a sad ending. Because we think of, we do, a catastrophe has only got a sad ending. What if there are catastrophes in life that have a happy ending? Well, Tolkien knew this, and Lewis knew this, and they're called fairy tales. Bad things happen, but at the end, there's this happy ending. There are catastrophes that happen in life. Does it mean the ending has to be bad or sad? What if it's a happy ending? Even now, some of you are like, there's no way that's possible. Yeah, because we've grown up in this world like real life just tanks, okay? That's not real. That's a fairy tale. What I'm saying is, what if the fairy tale is true? You know how C.S. Lewis got converted? He went on a walk with Tolkien. He said, you love myths, you love fairy tales. What if there's a true one? And he began processing it. And he said, it's true. Who's at the end of history? Jesus is. Is it a happy ending? Yes, it is. There is a, a line in the book, Lord of the Rings, where Sam, some of you know Sam, the character, Asked Gandalf, he says, so do you mean all the sad things will come untrue? He said, yes. What's the resurrection about? It means all the sad things will come untrue. Can you even fathom that? Some of you probably can't. It's true. All the sad things will come untrue. All the sad things will come untrue. Where is Jesus now? Jesus is the right hand of God. Jesus is right here in the ministry of the gospel. Jesus is right here in the community of people. Jesus is at the end of history. What does the resurrection mean? The resurrection means you could have a serene confidence, a calmness and a fierceness because God's in control. 
What does the resurrection mean? Resurrection means you can have deep spiritual intimacy with your creator, with Lord of Lords. It means that you can have deep relationships with people and learn. And it means this is the be- all the sad things will come untrue. It means all the sad things will come untrue. The resurrection is, if you believe it, you get looped in, tied into this great story. And if you continue believing it, I believe you see resurrection, redemption everywhere. You see it a week ago when we're sitting here and we, man, I love this church. We put on the masters up on the big screen. You're like, man, I missed that Sunday? Yeah, we watched the masters, okay? Like, I rushed home to try to catch it. No, you just could have watched it here. (laughs) Told you you should have stayed for lunch. Redemption there. Resurrection. I quoted a lady last week. I see Jesus everywhere. The resurrection means you start seeing Jesus everywhere. Notre Dame. Cross in the ashes. All the things that were saved. Redemption. Resurrection. You see Jesus everywhere. All the sad things become untrue. Amen. Really, one question in all of life. I really believe this. And I'm not, I'm not uh, I believe in the teachings of Jesus, but I'm not arguing for the teachings of Jesus. The one question it comes down to, do you believe in the resurrection? Either you believe in the resurrection and it impacts everything else, or you disbelieve it and life takes you down. And you try to do the best job you can covering it up that people won't see how life takes you down. It's either one or the other. I hope and pray that we, who are Christians, believe in the resurrection more I hope and pray you believe it. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, let us know all the sad things will come untrue. Let us believe in your resurrection, for our resurrection, for the resurrection of the world, and that we see glimpses of that even today. In your name, amen.